Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Kevin Claiborne. He is a multidisciplinary conceptual artist whose work examines intersections of identity, social environment, and mental health within the Black American experience. His work focuses primarily on intergenerational trauma and memory, mental health within the Black experience, and psychological burdens related to or around identity development. Moving between collage, silkscreen, photography, painting, and sculpture, while frequently using language as material, Kevin is interested in finding new ways to look at history and its connections to the present. He holds an MFA in visual arts from Columbia University and is currently living and working in Harlem, New York City. Enjoy this episode featuring Kevin Claiborne. Kevin, welcome to my podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So when did you discover your artistic passion? Um, I think I was always creative and into making art, even during class uh, when I was a child. And even though I studied uh, math in undergrad and higher education after that, I think I always did art and creative projects on the side. And a few years after working full-time in education, I think I just decided to do my art full-time, like as a career. But I think it's always been a part of me. Was there a particular artist or work of art that influenced you early on? I don't think there was. I think I just randomly would see art. You know, I had like an Ernie Barnes print in my house when I was young, like the Sugar Shack painting, like a print of that. And didn't really go to like museums or anything with my parents, but I think as I got older, I would go to galleries and museums, but I can't think of a particular artist or, or anything that kind of stood out to me. But I was always interested in uh, creative things, whether it was uh, graffiti or photography or, or painting or sculpture. Have you ever thought about how your art professors influenced your practice? Yeah, I think some of the professors I had while I was at Columbia People like Tomas Fu, they really inspired me to work in silkscreen. Uh, and Tomas works with um, the artist Rickrit often, and they both use a lot of printmaking techniques. And in my second year of the MFA program at Columbia, I really got more involved in printmaking, although I started the program with a concentration in photography. And that was really helpful for me because I had done printmaking only briefly before that, but they really inspired me to get more experimental with that practice and just dive into uh, silkscreen and other printmaking techniques. So how would you define your practice? What, what materials do you use? 
I would define my practice as mainly one that's conceptual first, and I work with a lot of image and text, regardless of medium. Uh, primarily, lately, I've been working in photography, printmaking, silkscreen, and collage. Um, but I also do video and sculpture. And most of the time, I'm using found imagery from my family, archive, or my own photography, juxtaposed with or overlaid by my own writing and my own poetry or prose and text. Mm-hmm. And are there concepts or thoughts that connect your work? Definitely. I would say mainly the work that I've been doing lately has a couple of overarching themes, one being uh, relationships, family dynamics, uh, and mental health, and how those things can interact with one another and affect our relationships, how our mental health shows up in our romantic and uh, personal relationships. Um, whether that be through marriage or divorce, and also identity and family history. So a lot of my work lately is inspired by the lack of information that I have about my family history, but it's also inspired by certain relational patterns and mental health patterns that I've noticed uh, within the past few generations of my family. And I'm also very interested in figuring out what are the rituals and practices that are necessary for having a a healthier family dynamic, a healthier relationship dynamic with loved ones and also with ourselves. So all of that. When you're working, do you think about who your audience is and do do you think they understand what message you're trying to send? Uh, I think when I'm working, I'm not necessarily thinking about an audience, maybe until the work is finished. And sometimes it's difficult for me to accept a work being finished because I often look at everything as like living in a a perpetual draft state. Um, But the first audience is myself. The second audience is my family. Uh, And then after that, it's, you know, whoever I decide to share the work with. You know, not everything that I make is made to be shared. Um, I make a lot of things for myself um, just to get ideas out of my head and into the the physical world. So it depends on what the project is and what the body of work is, but I'm not often thinking about audience. But if I am, it just depends on the project. So some things are very specifically addressing uh, Black identity to Black people only and i may share it in a space where other people can see it but the audience is maybe not for everyone who will see it but again it just depends on the project and what do you find most challenging when you when you when you're starting to create when you get a thought i think the most challenging thing is figuring out the best way for me to execute the idea so and even i guess before that the challenging thing would be i get thoughts and ideas all of the time at all all hours of the day and night so if i fail to write it down then i i sort of lose it but i try to note down all of my thoughts and ideas as they come whether it's in my phone or on paper and then after that the challenge becomes figuring out what is the best tool for me to manifest the idea into the real world or into the physical world rather and then figure out you know whether or not it's something that i think deserves to be shared or whether or not it's something that i feel deserves to be shared in an arena that allows for feedback from others so some things i share i want feedback on some things i share i do not want feedback on i just want to get it out 
And so the titles, when do the titles enter the creative process? The titles are, I would say, 80% of the time, you know, they, they come about in the making of the, of the work. So, for example, with some of my sculptural work, I, I already have an idea of what the finished product is going to look like. And those titles may come first because I'm dealing with something that's like, okay, I've already drawn it and I just need to make it like through, but I already know what it's going to be. And with the other work, it's more, let's say, for example, I'm using something that has a lot of fragmented text or uh, rearranged text and image in a more abstract fashion. I'll figure out the title while I'm uh, arranging text or while I'm arranging images, or I'll just do it after. And, you know, some things are untitled and, you know, some things have a title that is, it's either just pulling directly from the text that I wrote or from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And what aspects of your practice do you enjoy the most? Hmm, I definitely enjoy my writing process. Like I love writing, what I guess could be described as poetry. I just love writing in general. It's not something I, I often share, but it definitely mostly always ends up in the work, in the finished work. And it's fun because it feels very free for me. Writing is something that it sort of just flows naturally and it doesn't always need to make sense, but it's just something that I allow to pour out of myself and it requires probably the least amount of of energy, like physical energy to write. When I'm working on other things like printmaking or silkscreen, for example, there's a very specific process that needs to be executed every single time, which sometimes can become like boring or monotonous and doesn't feel as, um, as, as free. So when I'm writing, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a lot more exciting for me. It's a lot more um liberating in a way and i think it's maybe speaks to a more true uh starting point or position of where i'm at mentally and emotionally and spiritually how do you keep learning i keep learning by just i remain curious i'm a very curious person um i I read often i have a lot of books at home uh, I talk to my parents, they, you know, talk to me about their life or they just talk to me about what they're going, what's going on in, you know, their world. Or I ask a lot of questions to my, you know, my loved ones and my friends. I'm very curious. You know, I try to live a life where, you know, I lead with curiosity and I, you know, just learn as much as I can. I'm also an educator. So I teach photography um, at Columbia. And so I learn from my students. I learn from my friends. I learn from everyone around me. I learn by reading. And by by doing, you know, I think, you know, doing things is the best way to learn because you're always going to fail when you're doing something new. Um, And that's not something that I shy away from. It's something that I I run towards eagerly. So I learned all types of ways. And do you feel black art can be defined? (sighs) Yes, but I think the definition of it can, you know, there's there's so many ways to define it. I think, you know, it, it could be. It depends on how those terms are are being used or or positioned or how the work is being defined. Like one example could be art that is created by people who are under the umbrella of black as an identity or as a group uh, and as a structure. But another example could be art that deals with what it means to be black or blackness 
as a, as, as a racial structure, as a group. And another could be art that is fitting some sort of aesthetic idea that is defined by blackness, by black people or black ways of thinking. Uh, and I think all of those could be true, but it just depends on the setting. So I do think it, it can be defined, but it, it needs to be defined with intention. When you're working, do you listen to music? I do. I listen to jazz. I listen to hip hop. I listen to a lot of music that has been sampled in hip hop. I love listening to, you know, know, like 90s rap and, you know, early, early jazz and and things that have like a sort of kind of like a a swing or a, a tempo that's that, you know, kind of gets me into like a creative zone. Um, but I think, you know, I listen to more than that as well. I just listen to, you know, anything that can make me feel something. Um, so my music tastes are kind of all over the place, but it, it just depends. But uh, it definitely helps to listen to music while working, for sure. Yeah. Have you ever thought about if you were not a visual artist, what other career path you would have chosen and, and enjoyed? Well, I've worked in other career paths, like in education, working in higher ed, so working with college students in an advisory capacity is very fun work. The only issue that I ran into was that I sometimes did not have enough time or energy to do my my visual arts practice. So I could definitely do other forms of work, but I think I would always run into the problem of wanting to do my art to, to a fuller extent or a greater capacity. So I'd always run into an issue of not having enough time to do my art, which would then end up with me choosing art in some way. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm not sure. I could really do anything else for like a long period of time. Um, I think art is just, it's always going to pull me. But, you know, if there's something that allows me to be creative and doesn't have, have too rigid of a structure, then I could do it. But essentially, I need to be an artist in whatever I'm doing. Interesting way of putting it. So what are you excited about right now? Right now, I'm excited to be alive. I'm excited because the weather is nice today. Um, uh, I'm also excited. I have a show coming up, a solo show at Osmos Gallery in the East Village. Uh, The solo show is called Understand Me, and it opens um, very soon on Sunday, November 20th. Um, I'm excited about doing that show because I'll be showing um, some work that I made over the last two years, but also some work that I made in residence with uh, Osmo Station, upstate New York. And I'm also excited about uh, spending time with family for the upcoming holiday season. When you start to think about colors, what's that process like choosing a particular color? Sure. So I have a a recent series that I've done. Uh, Most of the work is blue. I initially started with that color because it reminded me of my mother. It's a very calming color, which uh, sort of resembles my mother's spirit and and her energy. But it also, for me, resembles like water. And some of the content in that work deals with uh, relationship issues and mental health. And the color blue is sort of kind of representing how, let's say, for example, you're, you're raised in an environment where there are certain forces going on around you that you may not be aware of, sort of like you're kind of like a fish in water. Uh, whereas like if you ask a fish you know, in water, it's like they don't really see the water, you're just in it. So the, the blue is sort of reminiscent of just like the energy that you may find yourself to be in or the environment that you may find yourself to be in 
although it's invisible to you because it's just as natural as breathing air, it's still there. And with other works, you know, I think the color, sometimes I work with a very limited palette. So I'll, I'll do a lot of monochromatic works or black and white works or completely black works. It's sort of just to put the focus on the imagery and on the text and to limit the amount of other associations that can be made by introducing too much color. I think working with a limited palette, specifically with making work about blackness, it has like multiple functions, right? So it, it sort of it simplifies the aesthetic, but it also references racial content, not always, but sometimes. So I think I like using black a lot because when I was a kid, I remembered like someone was telling me like black is like the absence of color. But then I was like, well, if you smash up all your crayons and you draw all your colors with all your crayons, it gets darker and darker and darker. So in my head, I was like, black seems like it's all the colors, not a lack of color. But I guess, you know, I think I learned later that, you know, there's a difference between like, you know, color and like light and reflection. But in, anyway, I've all, I've always been uh, interested in, in black as a color uh, and a, as a space and uh, as something that, that has, to me, a lot of weight to it. So it's something that I always come back to using. Yeah. I find it an easy color to wear. Definitely. Yeah. And it is every color. What does your workspace look and feel like? What What's the energy of your workspace? Um, if I'm working at home, uh, my workspace is very, it's calm. It has a very earth tone aesthetic. It's a lot of black and brown and beige, mostly a lot of natural materials like wood. And it's usually when I'm working from home, I'm doing things that aren't too messy. <laughs> I'll be doing things like a lodge. I'll be working on a smaller scale, you know, only really working with like glue. I'm not really using paints or anything at home. And I think, you know, I have my, my record player, my sound system in front of me while I'm working. So I have my music going and it's pretty much a, a peaceful place when I'm, when I'm making work at home. Cause I, I don't like to get my, my living room too messy because it, you know, I can't really think with like a mess sometimes, <laughs> but when I go to, I have a residency at the Lower East Side print shop, which is where I do my printmaking and my silk screen. That is a place where I'm able to get a bit messy. So that has, I know I have, I'll just like take over a table and just I'll have ink all over the place and paint all over the place and acrylic and oil sticks. And there I can have a little bit more freedom. I can get like much louder with my music and get louder with myself. I can just walk around and, you know, kind of go crazy in the space. And that is helpful for just getting my mind and energy in a different sort of position where I'm not worried about messing up my carpet or my couch um, at home. So when I'm in the, the studio space there, I, I find that it brings a different energy and a, a different side of my creativity out. And yeah, I'm able to kind of go big. I'm able to just kind of get lost in the space and I can just sort of lock myself in there and leave all of my personal issues and uh, personal dramas outside of the door. Whereas if I'm working from home, you know, I'm still in a personal space, which is partially a workspace. But when I go to the studio, it's fully a workspace. And for the audience or the observer or the outsider, do you sense that we would pick up the difference in work created in a private space versus in the, in the residency? I don't know if people would pick it up. I honestly, I doubt it, but that doesn't mean 
you know, I could be wrong. I think people, some people <laughs> might be able to pick it up, but for me, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think maybe people would be like, okay, this looks a little clean. Maybe you made that at home. So yeah, it's <laughs> certainly possible. Love, <laughs> <Maybe>. love that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not an artist. So, you know, I always wonder about these things. I appreciate this time, our chat, our conversation. And this is the last question. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? I feel like the purpose of art is... I mean, there, there are many purposes. One, I feel like the, the purpose is to just expression, right? And to, to document history and to sort of be a mirror to the times and a mirror to society. I think my personal role in making art and being an artist is to one, discover more about myself and about my family and hopefully just learn more about where I'm from where my family uh, and future generations and my bloodline can go. But, you know, beyond, beyond that, I would say it's a, it's a social responsibility held by artists to be, to be vocal about, you know, the issues that they care about and the issues that will affect people for years and years and centuries to come. I think the reason why, you know, art exists is, you know, obviously it changed from person to person, but I think for me, there's a lot of messages that need to be shared. There are a lot of stories that need to be told. And if you don't tell your own story, you're giving someone else the opportunity to do so. And when those stories are told by the wrong people, history gets twisted and truths get buried and, you know, legacies get erased. And we've seen this time and time again in not just the art world, but just in the world in general. So one thing I think artists should always be mindful of is, is telling their story and telling it from a, a perspective and a point of view that, that only they can tell, right? Regardless of which medium they choose to do. And I think that's why it's one of the most important practices that, that we can engage in. It's, um, it's, it's about truth telling, it's about capturing history, and it's about memory. So I think hopefully I, I keep that in mind um, when I'm making work. And hopefully I live up to that role. Yeah. Thank you for your contributions. They're all important. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Keep working. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.